Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Hope everybody's doing well today. Good girl. Glad you're doing well, sweetie. I really am. Hey, listen, I do want to, before I even begin, what I want to do is right now is I know uh, one of our special ladies here, uh, Miss Betty Schumann, her, uh, she had to go to Pennsylvania because her son-in-law, Terry, is uh, not doing well. He has COVID and he um, is just not doing well, honestly. Uh, he's in intensive care. She went up there to be with her daughter uh, and they did a procedure yesterday. And now we wait to see how the procedure goes. Uh, but I do want to stop right now, and uh, I want to pray for uh, I want to pray for for Terry and for Miss Betty, um, and um, yeah. So let's uh, if we would please let's just let me pray for them before we even begin uh, the message. Lord God, you know uh, more than any of us uh, the needs that Terry has, and so God, I, I pray right now that you do what only you can do, and that is provide a miracle. I pray that you, even right now as I'm speaking, God, you immediately begin to turn around, that you immediately begin the healing. And God, my prayer would be that we could all shout and sing a couple of weeks from now and say, hey, listen, he, it, it, it looked really bad, but God hadn't put a period yet. The chapter hadn't been written. And then God did what only God could do. And that he would be a testimony of your, just of your strength, of your power, and of your control. Lord, I do pray for his wife, Terry's wife, Miss, Miss Betty's daughter, and Miss, and Miss Betty as well. That you would give her the words to say, the prayers to pray, and uh, the hugs to give, God, for her family. Lord, we do trust you, and we know you're in control, but we petition you this morning for healing. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Miss Betty, we love you. I know you're watching this morning. We love you. We're glad that you are, are with us as well. Well, so I had never been to New York City, and um, I know that I come across as some uppity guy, uh, from the city, but I'm not. I'm just a redneck from West Tennessee. And I had never been to New York City, but I always wanted to go to New York City. And so a friend of mine said, hey, I want to take you to New York City. And I said, okay. He said, I want to take you there for three or four days. I said, great, let's go. And so he actually planned the whole trip and he took me to New York City. <clears throat> and we got there later in the evening. And we were staying right across uh, the river. And we took the little little ferry over, over the river. We took the ferry over into Manhattan, and we got off into Manhattan, and we got into a cab. Has anyone ever been a cab in New York City? I can see by the wrinkles on your face that you have and the stress in your life because it was crazy. So we get in a cab, and this, this one cab driver is, he, this guy's flying, and another cab driver comes up, and they hit each other. Boom! Now in Noonan, if you do that, you're going to stop. You're going to pull over. You're going to call the police officers. You're going to exchange insurance information. And you're going to make sure that your car gets fixed. This is how it went down in New York. Our cab driver jumped out and said, F you. Okay? That cab driver jumped out and said, no F you. And then he said, F you, no F you, no F you, no F you, no F you. Back and forth about 10 times. And by this time, being the godly man I am, I had my iPhone 4 out, because that's when it was. And I was recording the whole situation. I've since lost that recording, but I thought this is going to be fantastic content for YouTube. Facebook, I was on Facebook, but it wasn't a thing yet. Are you with me? But I had my iPhone 4 out. And then the craziest thing happened. They both got back in their cars and they drove away. And I saw a few different wrecks during that day 
and everybody did the same thing. The cabs, it's almost like bumper cabs. They just kind of bump into each other and then they keep on going. But the one thing I remember about New York was this. And my buddy told me, he said, hey, do me a favor. He said, put your head out the window because it was night and we were driving into Times Square. We were driving into Times Square and I put my head out the window. The energy of Times Square is intoxicating. There was like a wave of energy. Lights are everywhere. We have no idea what time it is. Lights are everywhere. There's people going everywhere. All different types of people. All different nationalities. All over the place. We got out of the cab. And we walked around Times Square. And it was just exhilarating. It was incredible. It was just this whole mass of people everywhere. It literally felt like that I was standing in the center of the world. Are you with me? The hub of the world standing there in Times Square. Minus the lights, of course, that's kind of how Rome was when Paul wrote the book of Romans. It was the hub of the world. There were people from all different nationalities. There were all different types of religions. There were all different types of people. It was the hub. It was the main hub, basically, of the world when Paul wrote to the Romans. It was diverse. It was culturally diverse. Their customs were diverse. Their beliefs were diverse. It was diverse everywhere, in every angle, in every place, in Rome. So this is the point in the message where I ask you, I'm a former history teacher, so can I have permission to kind of geek out for about five or ten minutes real quick with y'all? Can I, can I do that? Okay, so most people are saying no, and RJ said yes. And so RJ, you win. All right, so <clears throat> let me geek out with you a little bit. Why in the world was he writing this letter to Rome? Well, let me explain it to you. We have no idea how the church at Rome started. Many think maybe it was a result of Pentecost. It was a result of Pentecost and that people went to Rome and they started the church. We don't know. We do know that the church was started and it was a very influential church. We know that much. As well as we know that there were people there, there were Christians there that were Jewish Christians. And then there were Gentile Christians. Are you with me? But in Rome, because it was so diverse, there were also Jewish people that, that stuck strictly to the writings of the Old Testament. And so there was oftentimes, as there are in a lot of Paul's writing, there's oftentimes conflict. So there was conflict between the Jewish people and many different areas, including the church itself, but they also had conflict with other religions. And so, because of that conflict, the emperor at the time, his name was Claudius, Emperor Claudius decided that these Jewish people were getting on his nerves. And you know what he did? He kicked them all out. He banished them all from Rome including the Jewish Christians that were in the church. Are you with me? So the Jewish people were there causing problems, what he said, and they ended up being banished from Rome. And Claudius banished them, but when he banished them, he also banished those that were Jewish Christians, which left the church to be Gentile Christians only. Gentile would be you and I. People that were not Jewish. But there's something you need to know when a, an emperor back then, when he would make a decree, at his death, at his death, that decree would become null and void. Okay? 
So several, several years later, he died. Hearing that he had died and knowing that that decree was now null and void, they began to come back to where their home was in Rome. So I'm going to stop here and let you know a little something about decrees and kings. One of the cool things about Jesus is that he made many decrees, especially on the Sermon on the Mount. He made many decrees, many decrees about how the kingdom of God would be. But you see, at his death, they were not void because he defeated death. And he rose again. That's why even today, the decrees that Jesus spoke are still in effect. And they will be for eternity, by the way. But Claudius passed away. They came back. And I know this will shock you guys. When they came back, the 7, 8, 9, 10 years that the Gentile Christians had been running the church, a few things had changed. Are you with me? The Jewish Christians came back, came back to the church, and guess what started happening? Conflict. Disunity. Conflict. Arguing over this issue or that issue or this issue or that issue or this or this or this. So, hearing that, being told of the disunity, hearing the issues that were going on in the church, Paul decides he would write to, he would write to the church, having never been there, he decided he would write to the church and lay out the entire story of the gospel and the righteousness of God. We're going to hear that a lot. The gospel and the righteousness of God. He would lay it all out. And so here's what he did. He wanted to make sure that he connected those that were Jewish Christians with those that were Gentile Christians. And he wanted to make sure that everyone knew that it was that they were the same. They were all one. That from the very beginning, God's plan had been. And then he went from that point and he walked through the whole process. That's why. That's why. Romans is called, really, the constitution of our faith. Let me tell you some facts about Romans it's been called the greatest theological book that's ever written. Literally, the greatest theological book that's ever written, that's ever been written, is what people say about Romans. Martin Luther, listen to what Martin Luther said about Romans. Martin Luther was the, was the one who nailed the 95 Thesis um, to, to, to the church, and he, he ended up starting the Protestant Reformation. If you don't know what the Protestant Reformation is, it was a revolt against the Catholic Church, and Martin Luther ended up writing those 95 Theses, those things that did not jive. Well, guess what? Guess, where, guess what Martin Luther's favorite book of the Bible was? Guess where he got the, guess where a lot of people think he got the, the, the really the backbone to write the 95 Theses from the book of Romans. Here's what he said about it. He said this, it is impossible to read or meditate on the letter too much. It's impossible it's impossible to read or meditate on the letter too much. Another time he said this, he said, if all of the other scriptures were taken away, just give me Romans. Give me Romans. That's how thorough it is. That's how thorough an explanation it is from God's plan from the beginning all the way through. And remember, he's talking to Jewish Christians and he wants Jewish Christians to understand the plan of salvation. He wants Jewish Christians to understand and be in unity with Gentile Christians. 
And so in order to do that, he needed to make sure they understood the reasoning behind their faith that they currently had. They believed in Jesus, but they also wanted certain things to go on like circumcision and not eating certain foods and on and on and on. And Paul is going to talk about all that in the book of Romans. It's one of the longest letters written by Paul. And it teaches God's plan across time. It teaches the plan of God starting in Genesis and going all the way across time. Needless to say, Romans is pretty important. So with that in mind, with that knowledge now, thanks for letting me geek out for about five minutes. With that knowledge now, let's take a look at what Romans chapter 1, verse 1, starting in verse 1, Going through 17, let's take a look at what it says. Remember, he is writing this. He is writing this from that perspective. Here's what it says. And I'm going to stop during this and explain a few things. It says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. At other times, your Bible might say gospel. God promised, here you go, now listen. God promised this good news long ago through who? His prophets in his holy scriptures. Who is he talking to there? He's talking to the Jewish Christians. I want you to know some Jewish Christians. I know you're arguing now, but I want you to know that this plan was promised long ago to the prophets that you recognize in his holy scriptures. That's what he said. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into who? King David's line. See, they're going to recognize that. They're going to recognize, okay, wait a minute. He was born into King David's line. And he, and here, but here's the part that they're going to draw back a little bit. And he was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles, hear that? So what he's saying here is he's saying, listen, I want you to understand something. What I'm telling you and this gospel that I'm speaking to you about, this is not just for you. This was not just for you. See, this was God's plan was for all people to understand this. I don't know if you know this or not, but people always say, well, why is it that David had such a powerful kingdom? Why is it that Solomon was so wealthy? Why is it that the temple was so grand? Why is it? Let me tell you why it was. It was because those people were supposed to be a city on a hill. They were supposed to be a chosen people, chosen to do what? Chosen to bring forth the Messiah. And God wanted to show the greatness of himself. God wanted to show how great God was. He wanted to show that through the Israelite people. Now the Israelite people failed over and over and over and over again. But Jerusalem was there to be built up so that nations from all over would come and marvel. And they did marvel at the greatness of God. For what reason? To draw in them into a relationship by faith with God. That was what it was for. It was always, y'all listen, it was all, God's plan has always been that the Gentiles, those that are non-Jewish, would be included in the kingdom from the very beginning. It's always been that. But those people, the Jewish people didn't understand that. And it says this, it says, uh, as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him. And what does it say? Bringing glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I am writing this to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called. To did, I, did I go out there? May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. Obviously it was because he found out about it and he wasn't even there. God knows how often I pray for you day and night. I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. 
One of the things I will always pray for you is, this, uh, in, in, is the opportunity, God willing, for me to come to see, uh, to see uh, last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And that's what we're supposed to do. By the way, that's what we as a church are supposed to do too. When you guys get together, you're supposed to be encouraged by each other's faith. Okay, You're supposed to be encouraged by someone else's faith, and they're supposed to be encouraged by yours. Just That's, that's a little sign. That's a free one. I'm not going to charge you for that one. That one's free. Okay, Next week I may charge you, but not there. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have, a, uh, I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news, the gospel. Now, if, you're, if you write in your Bible, you want to make sure you get these next uh, next two verses, because this is the backbone verses for the whole series of Romans. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And that quote uh, is from Habakkuk. It is, by, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It says, I am not ashamed of this good news. So, what does this all tell us to start out the book of Romans? Well, it tells us this simply, that God has a standard of righteousness. Period. That God has a standard of righteousness. And I want you to understand this. And young people, I don't know if you have a Bible at home. If you do, start bringing it. And I don't know if you have a notebook at home. If you do, start bringing it. And I don't know if you have a pen. If you don't, we have one for you here. But you are going to need the, the lessons that are going to be taught here. You're going to need the discipleship that's going to be taught here. And I'll tell you why. Because you are going to be told that there is no standard. You're going to be lied to and told that there is no standard. But make no mistake about it, God has a standard of righteousness. Now let's define righteousness. Here it is. Our righteousness is this. It's the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including, and here you go, our character, our attitude, our actions, and our words. It is the quality of being right right in the eyes of God. I want, you to, I want you to hear that. It's the quality of being right in the eyes of who? God. Not on social media. Not with what your neighbor thinks. Not with what mom and daddy thinks. It's the quality of being right in the eyes of God. Including our character being in the eyes, right in the eyes of God. Our attitude. Our actions. And our words. So that's our righteousness. What is the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is defined as, as this. It's doing what is just and right and fulfilling the promises that he has made. You need to know that God will always do what is just and what is right. All right? Listen, we prayed for Terry earlier. I have no idea how Terry's story is going to end. Just like I don't know how my story is going to end, and I don't know how your story is going to end, but I can tell you this one thing. I trust and have faith and believe that God is going to do by Terry and by me and by you what is just and what is right. And that is because of his righteousness. The other thing I believe is this. I believe that he will fulfill the promises that he has made to you and to, to me. I believe that. I believe, one of the reasons I believe it is because I've seen it over and over and over and over again in my life. I believe that. But listen, make no mistake about it. God has a standard of righteousness. And that standard is what, it, what Paul is saying. That standard, that standard has existed from the very beginning of time. It's existed from the very start. He has expectations, you guys, of those who follow him. I want you to hear that again. 
He has expectations of those who follow Him. Did everybody hear what I said? He has expectations of those who follow Him. And listen, it was His idea. This is not something that we thought up. This was His idea. These were His thoughts, His belief, and His creation. I don't want you to miss that. He has expectations for those who follow Him, and they were His thoughts, His belief, and His creation. I want to tell you something. Let me take you back to 1984. I'm probably wearing a, a Michael Jackson zipper jacket and some parachute pants. Okay? That's what I'm wearing. I'm on Highway 70 going west. Highway 70 in Waverly, Tennessee. We lived off the road. And I want to tell you something. In that house, guess what I knew? There were expectations and there were things that I knew that I needed to do. Why? I'll tell you why. Because my father often told me, don't you forget what your last name is. Don't you forget who you're representing in the community. Don't you ever forget that. And so there were expectations that I knew, I knew needed to be met. How I was going to act. Who we were as a family. How we treated other people. And those expectations were, were, they were given to me by my mother and by my father. They were. They were expectations. And you were given expectations too. If you had a mom and dad who cared about you, you were given expectations. If you didn't have a mom and dad that cared about you, then someone else in your life became your mom and dad because I've told you this a million times, you don't have to be a mom and dad to be a mom and dad. Are you with me? Someone else in your life made such an impact on your life that you knew that there were expectations and you just simply didn't want to let them down. You didn't. And there were expectations in your life and you acted a certain way because of those expectations. And here it is, when you didn't act a certain way and you got out of the realm of those expectations, there were consequences for that. You know, today, no one wants to take consequences, do they? No one wants to take responsibility for their own actions, do they? No one wants to take consequences or responsibility for anything, as a matter of fact. And we've taken what we know is the truth, and we've been lied to, that there really is no righteousness, there is no standard. The standard is whatever you think it should be. Listen, young people, that's a lie. That's a lie. And in every society and in every culture, in every aspect, since the beginning of time, that lie, when it's operated on, has shown to fail. It has shown to fail. In every culture, in every aspect. Why is that? Because God is the creator of the standard. He is the creator of the righteousness. The righteousness of God is what the standard is. Now you may be sitting there thinking, well, I can't meet that standard. He knows you can't meet that standard. He knows I can't meet that standard. That's why the gospel is the good news. Because he also knew someone that could. Are you with me? Are you jiving with me? If you listen and watch today, you'd believe it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what standard you hold. It doesn't matter as long, here he is, listen to this, this is so funny. As long as you don't offend anyone, okay, or hurt someone's feelings, then that standard is fine. It's always been interesting to me that no one seems to care about my feelings when I believe in the standard. No one cares about my feelings, it's everyone else's feelings. You would believe there's not a standard, but there is a standard. I'm going to tell you what, that's exactly why Paul makes sure to say this, that we are to embrace the gospel and not be ashamed of it. We are to embrace the gospel and not be ashamed of it. Okay, 84 parachute pants, Michael Jackson zipper jacket, I'm rolling. I'm listening to the standard. Fast forward, it's 1989, it's April of 1989. I've got a gray, a gray vehicle. 
It is a, it's a nice little vehicle, but it's a gray Cutlass Calais that my dad got from one of his friends for a thousand bucks. Okay? I had a stereo in that cost about two thousand. Blah punk, cassette tape, fast forward, go really quick. It's, it's, it was really awesome. I had two 12 inch subwoofers in the back. I was that guy. Okay? So, fast forward, for some, some, who knows how in the world this happened, but I actually had a date for prom, okay? All right, I had a date for prom. I get all dressed up. I've got the tux on, looking, looking dapper. I've spent the whole day cleaning up the car. Now, the car had, the top of the car, I know no one else had this in their life, but the top of my car, it, 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 the liner was completely out of it. And so I had written my name in the little, the, the, the foam stuff in the top. And you would, uh, every, and this is when I had hair, uh, I, would, I would get in my car and I would drive around for a while or have the windows down because the air didn't work too well. And then I would, when I got out of the car, I would have to shake off my head because those little things had fallen in my hair, right? Does anybody else ever do that? Am I the only one? No, I know, right? So it never occurred to our family that you could actually get a new liner. That was like, oh, I'm not getting a new liner. So that never happened. But anyway, so I'm getting ready. Everything's ready. The pictures have been taken, and I'm going to go pick up my date. Okay, I'm going to go pick up my date. I go out to the car. I turn it over, and it's completely dead. Nothing. And I'm like, okay, well, I must be doing something wrong. Started it again. Nothing. Started it again. Nothing. So I go inside. Now, I was a, I'm, a, I'm a ginger, okay? So as you know, I probably was not upset about this at all, being a ginger. I mean, that... Things like that just doesn't bother gingers, right? Um, if you know anything about having a redhead, we, had a, we have a redhead. My, my wife and I have a redhead, and he was just like me. I was really upset, and I went in, and I said, Dad, my car will not start. And my dad immediately blamed me. What did you do to it? Did anybody else's dad do that? <laughs> what did you do to it? Well, Dad, I went out and turned the key. I mean, I didn't, on the way out, I didn't zap it. There was no, I just turned the key. So, and, and I was thinking, listen, Dad, you have no clue how much I want to drive this car because, and here's the great part of the story, the other car was a 1984 and a half. It started in 1984 and a half. Dodge Caravan. It was the first caravan ever created. It was not, not that actual car, but it was the first year because they did it in half the year. So it was a 1984 and a half. And um, uh, we called it, I'm not going to say the word, but it starts with a T and rhymes with nerd. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. That's what we called it. The blank. That's what we called it. And all in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I'm going to have to drive. 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 And so dad finally comes in and says, son, it's not going to work. And so dad goes outside, takes, takes the brown van up to up to the the car wash okay and he's wash, he got he gets the car wash with my brother he, my brother was there too he comes back and he's outside vacuuming the car and my dad is drenched in sweat he, he actually cut a couple of his knuckles where he was he was doing the car and hit his hit his uh his knuckles on the uh thing and i got in the 1984 and a half brown van to go to the prom now there was, this band had a special, I've told you guys this story before, this band had a special gift. Um, it had the ability to die if you came up to a light and did not keep your foot on the brake and your foot on the gas. So we were constantly going, and then we took off. That's how we did it. And so I go over and pick up my date, and on the way over there, guess what I'm feeling? Ashamed. I was driving over there thinking, Man, I had my car looking so good. Them 12s was bumping. I mean, the blah punk was putting out the music. You know, I had like Journey playing. And the van, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the 84 and a half, all it had was a radio. So I was like having to listen to the radio. And there were no good radio stations. So I was, it was probably like, I don't know, probably some country station in West Tennessee. So... Not that country's a bad thing, but let's be honest. So uh, I don't want to listen to country, you know, as I'm going to pick up my date. So I had my, 
So none of that, I left all that behind, and I'm driving the van over there, and I was so embarrassed. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's she going to think? What is she going to think? What is she going to think? And let me just say the generosity of ladies never ceased to amaze me because she was like, hey, how are you? And her eyes all said, why are we riding in the 84 and a half brown van? But her mouth said, oh, it's fine. No big deal. And I said, oh, it's a big deal. And so, but I was so ashamed. And so I would, and, and I knew I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to pull up to a red light and she's going to wonder why I'm going, you know what I'm saying? And so we would pull up to the red light and I'd start talking to her and I'd turn up the radio. All right. So it'd be like, and I'd, and I'd turn it down and keep talking to her. Hey. But somewhere between after picking her up and getting to the, where the prom was, I started thinking about something. I started thinking about my dad. I started thinking about my dad being drenched. It's a true story. I started thinking about my dad being drenched in sweat about him getting up on a Saturday afternoon when I knew he didn't want to, running outside and taking my vehicle, taking the, the brown van to, to, the, to the car wash place. And I started thinking about my dad when he got back with his, his, his I can still see his knuckles were kind of cut. He just scratched them up, but they were bleeding a little bit. And he's just red and just sweating like crap. I started thinking about him. And I decided... I'm not going to be ashamed of this van. My dad provided this for me, and he busted his tail to do it, and I'm not going to be ashamed of this van. And so at that point, I left the radio down, and we were rolling. And at the first red light, she said, Hey, um, I've driven with you a bunch, and you, you do know that you don't have to keep revving the engine, right? And I looked at her, and I said, You don't know this van. She said, why? I said, well, see, you have to push the gas in and you have to put the brake on because if not, it'll die. And I said, no, we don't want to be stranded. She said, no, we do not. You do whatever you have to do to get us there and get us back. But suddenly I started having an appreciation and I was no longer ashamed of that van. Why was I no longer ashamed of that van? I was no longer ashamed of that van because I remembered I remembered what my father had done. That's why I wasn't ashamed of the van. I remembered what my father had done. I remembered the sacrifice. Can I tell you something? We should never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the standard that he has set for all mankind. We should never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the standard that he has set for all mankind. Do you know why we should never be ashamed? Because we need to remember what our Father has done. Today, you guys, it's very difficult to be bold and stand up for the standard that he has set. The world has exchanged the truth for a lie, and we're going to talk about that next week. But the world has exchanged the truth for a lie because there is no standard. Now, let me say something to you. There has never been a time in my life when I expected the world to not act like the world. Are you with me? I have never in my life not expected the world. To not act like the world because that's what the world does. The world acts like the world. That's what they do. That's what we're told to be in the world but not of the world. That's what they do. Here's the issue that I have. My issue is when those that are not wanting to recognize God's standard, when those people that do not want to recognize God's standard, try and change the standard of God to suit their own needs. That's the issue that I have. The issue that I have is not when people do not want to meet the standard of God, when they do not want to seek out His righteousness. 
The world's going to be the world. My issue is when people that want what God has, but they don't want to race to the level of righteousness that he requires. That's the issue that I have. And so because they're unwilling to do that, what they do is they try to change the standard and they say silly things like, well, God is just love. And they skip over the verse that says, listen, God disciplines those that he loves. They skip over that. I want to tell you something. When God speaks clearly about an issue and someone, because of their own sin, refuses to surrender and they try to change the standard, they can say whatever they want to say, they can do whatever they want to do, and they can believe whatever they want to believe. But since the beginning of time, the standard of God's righteousness has never changed. And it hasn't changed today because someone decided we were going to get woke, young people. It hadn't changed today because we thought we were going to hurt someone's feelings by telling them the truth. I would rather hurt someone's feelings and tell them the truth than I would to see them go to hell. I would much rather do that. But today, people have an inability to surrender to what God's Word says. We're going to talk about this next week, but Romans 1 verse 21 says this, and this is exactly what's going on today. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God. Surrender. They wouldn't surrender or even give Him thanks. And this is exactly what's going on in our society today. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. That's exactly what's going on in the world today. Isn't it incredible that this book was written in 57 or 58 A.D.? And here we are in 2021. And Paul's words still ring true for today. They would not surrender to the righteousness of God. They would not surrender to the standard. And so instead of surrendering, they made up new ideas of what God was like. And because they did that, their minds were darkened. Do you guys know how the Roman Empire was destroyed? From within. Do you guys know how the United States is going to be destroyed? From within. The moral and ethical decay from within. That's how it's destroyed. That's why on TV today we have people saying, well, there's not, there's 50 genders. There's two. Two. That's why people are saying, oh, it's okay. You can, you can get divorced 50 times. None of that matters. Oh, you, adultery? Who cares? You be you. As long as you know your truth, there's no such thing as your truth. There's the truth. And the rest is a lie. Are you with me? We are living in a Romans 1 society today. But that doesn't mean that God isn't calling us to righteousness. I want you to say it again. That doesn't mean that God's not calling us to righteousness. No matter what the world says. Let me tell you something really interesting about this. This is the place where we've come to today. Do you know, and I don't think it'll happen, but do you know, because of a couple things I've said today, that the very streaming platform that we're on right now, Facebook, could take this video down? Did you know that? Did you know that YouTube, where we have a YouTube channel that all these sermons go on, do you know that they could flag this as hate speech? The Word of God is hate speech. 
That's what they say. Do you know that? I don't think I've ever sounded more like a fire and brimstone Southern Baptist preacher. Have I? I just wish I had the flip over hair and a three-piece suit. Wendy said I couldn't wear the three-piece suit. She said two-piece would be all right, but three-piece is where she draws the line. I'm telling you guys, we have set the standard for ourselves. But that doesn't mean that God's standard doesn't exist. And here's what happens, you guys. I hear it over and over and over again. People go and they try to set their own standard. And they do that and they hit their head up against the wall for so many years. And that doesn't work. And finally they come back. And they embrace the righteousness of God and their lives are completely turned around. It was amazing. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. And I asked him this question. I said... Consider your life five years ago. Consider your life five years ago. Now listen, they weren't bad people five years ago. They just weren't necessarily living up to the standard. They weren't allowing Christ to change their life. And I'm not saying we need to be perfect, by the way. We're going to talk more about how we get to the standard. And let me say something. It's not by what you do. I just want to let you know that. that that's a free, uh, a free little tidbit that we'll get to. But I was talking to him and I said, consider your life five years ago. Do you know the only difference between now and five years ago in your life? And you know what they said? They got it right. Said Jesus. Jesus is the only difference in my life. And they were right. And Jesus will be the only difference in your life, too. I don't know about you guys, but I am going to be 100% unashamed of the text. And I hope you are as well. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much, God, that you have given us your word that literally directs our life. We literally are in existence today because of your plan and your purpose for our life. And God, there's nothing, there's nothing that can change that. Your righteousness is your righteousness. And that which you want us to embrace is no different God, my prayer today is, is that people would be bold and not bow down and, and cow back to what the world says, but would be bold in their faith. Lord, thank you so much for today and thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say one more thing to you. I want to say one more thing to you. Jesus got something right, and I think we need to get it right, too. I want you to hear this. There's no politician that's going to be our Savior. None. There's no mayor or congressman, senator, nothing. Because every time I've seen a Christian politician, a Christian and a politician, and you mix them together, you usually end up getting a politician. So that's not the answer. The answer for America is revival. A going back to the foundation of our biblical principles. The answer for America today is for us to put down the newspaper and turn off the TV and dig deep into the scriptures of God's plan for our life. That's the answer, America. But see, I got to be honest with you. Not everybody wants to hear this. They don't. They don't. But I want to make sure you understand that our hope does not exist in Washington, D.C. or any other place. Our hope exists in what God is doing in all of our lives and for us to be bold with compassion, love, and forgiveness. For us to be bold to share with our friends and our families. 
Listen, we're not trying to... Jesus could have whooped everybody in town. He didn't do any of that. And he did love on them. I had a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago that quoted a, a scripture. I know I'm going over. I'm sorry. But I'm kind of on a soapbox. You might want to adjust your lunch schedule. But we're, we're feeding you lunch, so this is kind of worth it, right? But I had a friend of mine the other day that I think has kind of gone off the rails. And he quoted this scripture about how these men came out and they caught this woman in adultery and this men came out and they were going to stone her and Jesus looked at him and said which of you uh, have no sin go ahead and throw the first rock and so all of them says starting with the oldest because they had the wisdom they all started dropping their rocks and leaving and his point was was that Jesus you know that God is doing a new thing and there's just new forgiveness and and you know what it's not. It's the same forgiveness that he's gave you and I when we accepted Christ and surrendered. It's the same thing. But one of the things that he forgot to say is this. He left this part out. He left the part out that said when Jesus looked at her, when everyone else was gone, and he said, now go and sin no more. He said, I'm going to forgive you for your sin, but the standard is still intact. Now go and sin no more. Why is it? that he has that standard. It's because he created us and he knows what's best for you and for me. That's the reason why. And that's the reason why. That's the reason why. God's never done anything for you that wasn't for your good. And he won't start doing that today. I'm going to shut up and you guys stand up and let's worship final worship song. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.